0: Welcome back to the Metal Exchange. Justin and Chris here with you for another week, another week, another album, and this time, and our anniversary, 25 years since Elegy's Manifestation of Fear, an album that I have pretty much been wanting to co- you know cover since the day we started recording almost three years ago, but more on that later. How are you, my friend?
1: Good, I, I decided to celebrate the 25th anniversary of this album by listening to this album for the first time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, happy anniversary. <laughs> um, we will get into all things elegy and more, um, but it was quite a quite a week for, for new releases and, and for me anyway, new discoveries. How about yourself?
1: Yeah, a lot of good stuff. Um, I listened to the new Idu Falashi album in its entirety today um and it was very good very um there were parts of it that really harkened back to uh old angra even like pre edu angra like some holy land here and there it's got kind of a um a real kind of uh i don't know what the right word is for the the vibe like even just the the theme of the album is very like ancient um it has like an ethnic flair to it. Yeah, yeah, like ancient it. South American ethnic flair kind of deal. But yeah, it's really good. I, I like it a lot. I'll definitely be revisiting that, but um bunch of new singles too. Um, I, I just realized today that Serenity has an album coming out later this year uh, called Nemesis AD. Um, I believe it's coming out in October, maybe November. I forgot. Um, shout out to Dale. Uh, I saw it on his facebook feed um i guess they dropped the new single uh the fall of man which features uh cam uh, former Camlot, current conception vocalist roy khan and uh this was a really cool track um georg and uh roy doing a duet here um cool stuff um i'm always excited to hear a new serenity album um and what else oh yes uh temperance also um announced that they will be releasing a new album called, uh, hermitage Daruna's eyes part two. I don't remember Daruna's eyes part one. I may have to ask around about this, but, um, this is the first, um, album that they'll be doing with, uh, Kristen Starkey as their, uh, female vocalist. They have a female and a male vocalist. Um, And, uh, the single Daruma is quite good. Uh, I liked it a lot. I thought it was really good. And, um, I guess I will also just mention that Vola has a new single called Paper Wolf that came out the other day and that's really good. Um, I'm not sure if that is in advance of a full album or just a, just a single for the sake of dropping a single. But, um, I thought I knew all the Vola songs after our, uh, retrospective, but they decided to throw a, Another one in the mix, so um, all, yeah, a lot of good stuff. Um, how about you?
0: There was quite the lull for me for quite a few months. I think maybe two or three months where I just didn't see the volume of, of top quality material coming out. But I'm back on board. This this week was fantastic. Um, I listened to most of the stuff that you had mentioned, you know, before. I thought the Vola was excellent. Um, you also told me about the new Secret Sphere single. Um, that I think came out earlier today, we're recording this on Thursday uh, The song was called Jay's Seren- uh, Serenade, I'm sorry, Jay's Serenade It's coming out um, on the album Blackened Heartbeat, I believe, later this year on Frontiers of all labels And it reminded me a lot of the old Secret Sphere sound um, Not just because Ramon is back singing, but just because of the speed and the structure of the songs um, all the old Secret Sphere songs from the early 2000s, this is like right in that vein, so if you're a fan of that stuff, you're going to thoroughly enjoy the single. I obviously haven't heard the album yet, but very, very interesting stuff. Um, and then two other things that I just kind of stumbled upon. The first is a band out of Scotland called Crown Solace. They just came out with a new EP called Animus. I don't know how to describe this thing, but the closest i'll the closest is think of tarja singing on an old nightwish ep albeit done by a male vocalist i'm not kidding you i think that that's probably the cleanest way to say it with some growls thrown there thrown in there as well i i've never heard anything like it and and at this point i don't often get a chance to say that but this is something else i'm going to check out the rest of the ep just because i'm curious to hear what the rest of this thing sounds like
1: yeah, some of the it's it's very heavy, and um, some of the the uh, heavier growly vocals kind of mixed with the the operatic style really kind of reminded me of Therion. Um But yeah, this is interesting. I'd like to give the rest of the EP a listen as well because this was really interesting, and uh, I appreciate that you brought it to my attention.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and it's something in a completely different vein a band out of germany called the circle came out with a really short album called the awakening it's only 33 minutes but i think it's a full length release it's not really an ep although i guess reasonable minds can differ this thing was blew me away like to the point where i'm going i want to listen to it a second time again as soon as we're done recording this was like doomy black metal but very proggy, almost like um, like Nayable Viscaris from Australia. In fact, um, some of the guys from that band get do guest spots on this EP, and it just had enough melody to really make the heaviness. I don't know, like I don't know, it just it just hit me in all the all the right spots. I I am going to spend some time with this. And if it's any indication, it's going to be on my album of the year list. That's how much I enjoyed it after one listen. And although it's very dense, um, by the same token, I think that there was so much that you can probably glean from this listen after listen that I just have to go back to
1: it. Interesting. You'll have to uh, post that so I could give it a give it a listen.
0: Yeah, it's. I, I I don't know that it's going to be in your comfort zone, but I think it's something you might actually enjoy despite the heaviness because there is so much melody to really sink your teeth into. So just a couple of things that I, that I'd heard this week in what was otherwise a really, really good week for music.
1: Yeah. Um, I still want to give the new Sierra album a listen and, uh, tomorrow the Mark Hudson solo album, uh, gets dropped. And my friend, Rich Smith, um, former drummer for power quest. And, uh, I believe he was also in IMI, um, with, uh, zp from formerly dragon force um, but uh yeah i'm excited for this the one single i've heard was quite good and uh so rich is excited and so by proxy so am i um so sounds like uh should be good stuff um but yeah it, it looks like uh, as you predicted earlier in the year things will probably ramp up in the fall as far as releases go but it has been kind of nice to just have a little bit of reprieve to to catch up on things and uh i feel pretty good going into um going into the prog power season Uh, i I remember last year uh with prog power being in june feeling like i was absolutely just so behind on the current music and uh i feel good um I might not have to delay our year-end episode until the third week in January this <laughs> yeah. year. We'll see. So we
0: won't be doing that in March this year. Yeah. Is, that, well, is that fair to know, say? We'll,
1: we'll see. I don't. I don't want to make any promises, but uh, uh, there's still, you know, a lot of good stuff. Uh, still, the calm anger has got an album coming out. I mean, there, there's uh, still a lot to listen to. But um, so far, it's been interesting. I feel like um, there hasn't been as many albums that really have blown me away as last year. But I think there's been more like solid stuff that's in that like 7.5 to 8.5 range than there was last year, if that makes sense. It makes
0: perfect sense. And I happen to agree with you completely. Um, By and large, I just thought this was a much better year. And I guess the point of comparison that I would make is I think you're going to have albums that don't make my top 25 this year. That would have been top 15 or 20 last year, just in terms of, you know, apples to apples comparison. So Lots to look forward to, like you said. But in the same breath, what do we have? Four months left in the year? So we're, we're down to the last trimester, if you will. It's going to be uh, an interesting end to the year as we roll into 2024.
1: Yes, yes. I, I'm, I'm excited to see uh, what else uh, everybody has for us uh, You know, with the year winding down.
0: And on that note... I have been, like I said, have been waiting to talk about this Elegy album, not just since the beginning of the podcast, but really for 25 years. And I say that because of all the major power and prog bands that came out in the 90s when we started listening to this stuff and bands that we were both familiar with, I don't know that we've ever, let alone in our personal lives, but like, I know we haven't on the podcast I don't know that we've ever talked about this band, which is crazy to me because I love them. And even though I know you're familiar and I know you have supremacy, I wouldn't say that you're intimately familiar with their entire back catalog. I think that's being, putting it mildly, but how have we never talked about this band? Like in any way, shape or form?
1: Uh, mostly because I had much to say about it. Yeah, very, <laughs> but, uh... yeah I guess that there you go. I,
0: I'll, I'll take that. Um, this album came out August 21st of 1998, and I can't believe that it's been 25 years. Yeah, almost um, to the day. And I can't believe you've never listened to it, but I, <laughs> I, I digress. I remember picking this up. I was at Mr. Cheapo's. Um, shout out to Charles Florio, who uh, knows all about Mr. Mister Cheapo's. But um, when we were at Mr. Cheapo's, I don't even know, you may have even been with me. But if you recall when you walked in on the right-hand side, there were huge stacks behind a glass panel of just used albums. And I mean, you could find some real gems hidden in there if you looked because it was all a lot of it was metal and, you know, I would say more than half of it was was old metal albums. And sure enough, it's probably around 1999-2000 and I found this album, and I didn't own any Elegy albums. I hadn't heard Supremacy at this point. It was just not something I had ever heard. And I said, you know what? Here's an album for like under $10. bucks. i am going to just take a chance and buy this thing. And I brought it home, and I was completely smitten by this band. And for a while, I didn't even listen to any of their other albums. I just listened to this thing on repeat. And to this day, I will still play this in somewhat regular rotation because there's something about this album that just drew me in. And I, I won't say it's their best or I should say, I, I will say it's their best, but I don't know that it's actually their best. It's just the one that I like the most, if that makes sense. Um, sure, They're an interesting band because I think if you asked 10 people, you may get five different answers for someone's favorite album. Some people love the old, um, the old elegy stuff with um uh Edward Havinga on vocals, just a very different style and, and the band was doing different things in the early to mid-90s. And then if you ask other people, some of the other quote unquote newer albums for a band that's been not dormant for 20 years, uh, but some of the newer albums with Ian Parry are are their favorites and, and, and it runs everything in between. But for my money, this is this is my favorite LG album. I, I may be in the minority here. And I've been just so Eager to hear your thoughts on this because part of me thought you might fall in love with it, part of me thought you might not like it, and I just didn't know where you're going to fall out on this thing. But I look forward to hearing your honest opinion.
1: Uh, sounds good. I I, uh, I really didn't have much to go on um, other than my you know limited uh, listening of the uh, Supremacy album, and um, I, I think I have all their albums. It's just like never just just never really listened to them because again like you know the whole reason we started this podcast was to kind of take a step back and and pay uh you know pay respect to to some of these albums that um maybe we don't go back and listen to enough or in my case never listened to in the first place and uh this is definitely one of them i remember elegy as being a band that that you know pat would talk about back when we were in high school um you know, he would rattle off just a shit ton of bands all in one breath. And you'd like, you know, be trying to write them all down (laughs) as fast as you could. Like, okay, Elegy, Eldritch, Eternity X, like all the, all the E, that was just E. Um, Ed Guy. Yeah. Ed Guy. Like, I'm like, Oh God. All right. Okay. And I, I I just always remember him saying like, if you're going to get an Elegy album, get supremacy. And so when I saw it at tower records, like I had told the story last week, um, I just I grabbed it just because why the hell not? like And, and like you said, it's one of those things where you're like, what the hell is an Elegy album doing here? Uh, I should probably buy it because you may not see an Elegy album in a record store ever again. I know I never did. <laughs> and the funny not thing... Slip slip disc notwithstanding.
0: To, to un- understood, understood. Um, having listened to Supremacy, would you agree that this sounds almost like a different band in many respects? Supremacy... Um, very proggy, very um primitive production in many ways, but this album, while it obviously is a prog album, a little more power metal, a little more straightforward and in, in your face, um, but definitely prog elements throughout. I, I think it would be the way I would describe it.
1: Yeah, I think there's definitely a a mixture of the two um of power and prog, um, which we kind of touched on last week when we were talking about symphony x it's kind of in that uh kind of muddy middle ground where but but where they do a good job of of combining the two um the the two genres into a, a nice little a nice blend where it's nice that not everyone has to be just a prog band just a power band you can get a band that kind of um celebrates both
0: yeah well said well said um, and, and they certainly do that here. Uh, I'll, let me just go through the lineup to, to go on the record. Um, Hank Vanderlaars on guitars, Chris Allister on keys. This would be the first album I believe that he was with the band for. Dirk Bruenberg on drums, Martin Hemantel on bass, uh, a bunch of Dutch musicians, and uh, a singer from London, Ian Parry, um, to round out the lineup. A very different vocal approach than Ed Havinga their original vocalist. I mean, like they couldn't sound any different, but yet they both seem to fit the sound of the band. It's actually quite remarkable how well each seemed to be able to do Elegy's music.
1: Yeah. I, I guess it could be compared to like a Halloween type of situation where, or even a Van Halen, if you want to go there, like sure, two vocalists that couldn't be more different, but fit in their own way. And so I think that's a good way of putting it. And, and, uh, some of these guys that you just mentioned are, are back with, uh, Elegy uh, has officially come back, uh, or they've reunited with the Ian Perry's vocalist, um, different drummer, their drummer from 2002, uh, th- is back with them. Um, and, uh, and Hank Vandalars, who you mentioned, uh, had left the band in, in 1999 and then he is back, um, with the band and uh, Gilbert Pott, who is their guitar player through '95, has also um, returned uh, to play guitar and keyboards. But uh,
0: yeah, in many um, ways, this is kind of like the old Supremacy lineup, but with Ian Parry on vocals. If I'm yeah, being like.
1: I'm really curious to see what uh, they, they come up with because um, it has now been. Uh, 21 years since elegy has released an album uh it's crazy but you know something
0: they announced the reunion and i was like i'm all in i i am really hoping that they can bring this show to the states and if not i will travel to europe to see this because um this that's how much i how much esteem i hold this band in and i'm not trying to oversell an album that people may not have had heard and again, other people may say, oh, it's it's good or it's fine. But there was just something about this album that just hit me in all the right spots. And as I listened to it multiple times again this week for the thousandth time, I still get that same feeling I did when I first heard it, which is a testament in my eyes to the strength of this particular release. And quite frankly, I, I've done Many deep dives into their back catalog, and I like a lot of their albums. I love this particular album.
1: Nice, yeah. It's, uh, I, I'm looking forward to talking uh, to you about it. I, I made a point to not really show my hand at all uh, in the last week. Um, we have not discussed anything about this album. Um,
0: oh, no, when I said that we have never talked about this band, I, I mean we've literally never said two words about this band until – this episode
1: yeah so uh yeah looking forward to it um i also listened to uh next week's album today for the first time and uh that's gonna be interesting but we'll go into that uh towards the end
0: i'll I'll tell you something getting these requests on patreon and, and for those that are listening for the first time consider joining our patreon um all the info can be found below in the feed I will just say that it helps um, us continue the show, which we sincerely appreciate. But the next week's album, which will reveal, as we always do, at the end of the episode, is a real trip. I mean, one of the most interesting, short pieces of music that I've ever heard. And yet, part of me is like, I don't know what to make of this, and part of me is enthralled i like it's just it's it's a fascinating piece of music but we'll we'll get to that at the end
1: yeah gonna have to listen to that a couple more times
0: <laughs> to, to, to say the least but that being said uh, elegies, manifestation of fear as i said it came out 25 years ago um a concept album believe it or not which i don't even know that i realized until we kind of got into it this week um without getting into too much depth about um, the story itself, because admittedly I am not a thousand percent sure as to like the whole backstory there. Um, this thing kicks off a hundred miles an hour with a song called unorthodox methods. Um, every song on this album is, ha- has a, a unique flair to it in my opinion. And, and it really starts off with this very brief intro. And then it goes into this absolute monster riff Um, this is a song where Ian Parry just completely shines through, even though he sings absolutely nothing. Um, as I mentioned, like Ed Havinga, this is a perfect opener. If you're looking for one of those bangers to start the thing, it has elements of these cheesy backing vocals in spots. Um, but it doesn't take away from the, the power and the force behind this tomb, and I you know, we talked about progressive power metal last week. This to me is a song that actually defines the genre because it, it blends both so well.
1: Uh yeah, I, I I absolutely agree. I um the first thing that I thought of was um this sounds Ingve-esque. Like it has mm. a neoclassical kind of vibe. And and I don't call me crazy, but Ian Perry sounds like he would be a fantastic ingve vocalist something about his style i think really fits that but um some of the songs especially the second track frenzy really just um gave me these these like 80s era ingve vibes um there there just seems to be i don't know i'm getting like a little bit of a neoclassical vibe on some of these songs but actually not even so much the neoclassical but some of the more like kind of um more like power metal-y, chugging kind of songs that Ingve would do. Um, but Not I, I, the arpeggio I, style,
0: I, I would say. Not when he's doing the arpeggios and just kind of like going all over the fret. But uh, in the way that the riffs in certain ways and also some of the uh, non-arpeggio solos, I, I would agree with you. I definitely can hear the neoclassical influence.
1: Yeah, and I don't know if it's just the pacing. Spots. Like this song especially kind of has just like that that kind of... I don't know. It just made me think of that um, little bit, not a lot. Like it's not over overpowering or anything like that. But um, I, th- th- I thought this was a pretty cool opening track. I, I, I tended to kind of um, well, you know what? Before I even say anything, you, you had uh, said you were going to guess as, as to what my song of the week might be. So before we I say anything about any of the tracks, maybe I sh- you should uh, tell me what you think first.
0: I. No, it's not this song, and that's not because you tipped your hand. Um, <laughs> should, maybe I'll just wait until we get there. Um, oh, I can tell you now. It's, it's really up to you.
1: <laughs> well, uh, I might not believe you if you say it after I say it.
0: <laughs> I'm going to go with Solitary Day as your song of the week.
1: Okay, fair enough. Um, I So what I was going to say is that I kind of um, found myself enjoying the album uh, more and more as it moved along um i thought like there was some some of the better songs were later on but um this is yeah this is a good uh good opening track and uh i i liked it Uh, i i will say there weren't any songs i did not like on the album so um that's uh i'll just say that much at this point but um yeah this is a a solid opening tune Uh, and
0: i have to say that not only did I kind of go through the song a little bit, but the bass lines and the drums, I think are two of the better elements on this song. And the mix is quite good. I have to say, we talk, with, we've been talking about a lot of these albums from the mid to late nineties. This is another one where I think the mix is solid. It's not same, uh,
1: same record label as Superiors uh, superior is behind as well. Interesting. Interesting. Yep.
0: Um, I don't know that this sounds as good as Behind or, or Divine Wings of Tragedy, but it's 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 close. This is a very pleasing album to the ear for what they're trying to to present to the audience.
1: Yeah, I agree. Well, well put. So um, after this
0: whole banger of an opener, we get into Frenzy, which is a little bit of a slower tune. Um, also, great riffs to open. That's that's one thing throughout. The riffs on this album are just absolutely killer. Um, and this song is quite aptly named because it's a tight little number. I definitely hear the neoclassical elements on this, but the melodic verses and that memorable chorus um, with with this this controlled chaos elements built throughout, I just think is an absolute um, just an absolute masterpiece in many ways. I'm curious to know your thoughts about this because this is one of those songs that was in contention for Song of the Week for me.
1: Uh, yeah, this was the one I think most th- that reminded me of an Ingvae song the most. Like some one of the more mid mid tempo, like maybe Groovy. seven sign era. Yeah. Like, but like not not really like a uh, a wanky kind of song, but just something that's just a really solid, um, really uh, just good. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, just. Uh, uh, wow, I, what a brain fart. Um, hmm. Just at, all the instruments are just on display. Everybody's like, you know, it, it, nobody's really outshining anybody. Um, I, I I read a review that, um, you know, that likened uh, Ian Parry's vocals to Dio a little bit. Um, mm. I, I hear it a bit. I don't know that it's like cloney. I've heard I don't other think singers. he
0: sounds like Dio, but I think his phrasing is like Dio, if that makes sense. In other words, yeah, there's...
1: There's some, there's a little bit of a, a, a similar kind of vibe that I, but it's not. I I didn't think of Dio. I'll say that until I, until I read it. Um, I will say I, I did find a review, and, and since you mentioned the um, the concept, uh, I, I'll kind of go into that a little bit. Um, the eleven songs are tied together by an overarching story of trauma. The loss of the protagonist's father, the extreme poverty of his childhood, turning into isolation, turning into hatred and evil, uh, which reminded the reviewer of Pink Floyd's The Wall. Uh, huh. The story is not told as eloquently as on Pink Floyd's masterpiece, and the sudden, disappointing, happy ending of *Manifestation of Fear comes right out of nowhere, but it makes for engaging storytelling nonetheless. Uh, the concept probably also contributed to shaping the songwriting in a way that feels nuanced and dynamic, as it should be when you were writing about a complex psychological drama, which is a big plus compared to some of the band's previous records. So uh, just a little something to kind of co- paint a little color on the lyrical content. Well said. Well said. Um, and that, uh, that comes from uh, L- Lucretian, uh, who wrote this review for the Metal Archives website interesting i uh i appreciate
0: the, the color because i i really had no idea but um the song itself what did you think of um what did you think of the second track frenzy
1: it's solid um i, I liked it I, probably about even with the first track it's a good tune um i i thought it was good um some of my favorite songs we haven't quite gotten to and i'll make sure to point them out when we get there though see and, and i'm gonna say that this is
0: interesting to me because I thought you might get a little bored towards the second half of the album because I'll be the first one to admit, I think that much like Symphony X, the first four songs for sure, but even like the first half of this album I think is better than the second half. Not to say that there are songs in the second half that I don't like. I like every song on this album. But I think that the first half is just so strong that the second half takes a little bit of a step down and that's what prevents it from being you know, a 10 or, or a 9.5 or something like that for me. Um, it's close, but it's it's not quite there. But I, I do think that there is a bit of a drop off as you get to some of the songs towards the end.
1: Yeah, I, I like I've said before, I'm, gr- I'm growing in lots of different ways. And uh, I don't know, I I, I think um, your initial thoughts of, of how I would view the album was probably true the first couple of times, but the more I listened to it, the more, uh, you know, that reviewer used the word nuance. And I think a lot of the nuances really kind of, um, jumped out. St- yeah. Struck me, uh, as I listened to it more, I'm glad that I, I, that, um, I gave this album, uh, a couple more listens than, um, than I might have had we like recorded this two days ago. Um, so I think I got more out of it by listening to it a couple more times, but, um, I thought the next track, um, Angel Without Wings, reminded me, at least the beginning of the song, reminded me a lot of Reich.
0: Dude, I am so happy you said that. Um, I have a lot to say about this song, but let me just start by saying it's my song of the week. Um, so I want to I give it a listen, and when we come back, I'm going to tell you why I couldn't agree more with you. i Took the words out of my mouth. I think that this is, in terms of pacing, very similar to Frenzy. It's more of a mid-paced tune. But I love how the keyboards help complement all the instruments. They The keyboards on this one really pop to me. It almost has like a power ballad feel. And I think the reason I love it so much is that it could have been on Operation Mindcrime. And for that alone, You know, Obviously, I think that's a perfect album, but I I hear the Queensryche on this, and I don't think I've ever realized that I thought it sounded like Queensryche until this week. So for you to kind of pick up on that during your first listen, I found that to be um, really poignant in many ways, Um, and and this track just hits me so hard. Um, I don't think that the instrumental section is the best on the album, but everything else about this song is perfect. And that's why I'm choosing it. And it was a, it was a tough choice. There's other ones that were in contention, um, but for me, this is my song of the week. And I'm wondering, other than Queensrÿch, did you like the song itself?
1: Yeah, I, this is my favorite of the first three for sure. Um, I agree with you that the 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 keyboards that kind of um, like hold the whole song together. I think are real, just a really welcome addition to the the uh, the whole sound on a whole. And I and I think that like the the guitar tone is very much like very much reminded me of mind crime. Um, so um, yeah, I'm glad that uh, that wasn't just me.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, it most certainly was not, was not just you. Um, and, and as we get into Savage Grace, the fourth track, I would put this up with, with those first three. It's, it's another riff based banger of a tune, um, but the drums pop for me on this and it's, it's heavy and, It's kind of dark, and and it certainly fits with that theme you were talking about earlier. Um, The verses here are a little bit vanilla for me. I don't particularly love them, but I do think the chorus is is quite good. And again, the keyboards just provide such a nice complement to the guitars on this one. Uh, It's a very enjoyable tune, maybe a half a step below the first three, but very enjoyable.
1: I uh, agree completely. Um, one of the things I really uh, thought was impressive about this album on a macro level, I just found that like no two songs really sounded alike. I, I thought they were all very um, unique sounding songs. And this is another one I feel like it has its own kind of vibe, nothing like the any of the first three songs. But uh, I agree it's not quite in the in the ballpark of the first three for me, still a solid tune, but um, I I like the first three, especially the the third song um, a little bit more.
0: So to that end, as we get into master of deception, um, you know, now we're like midway through this, this journey, any
1: thoughts on this particular tune? This like just kind of reminded me of, you know, while I'm not going to say that I thought, D-O-D-O-D-O D-O, D-O when I heard it, it has kind of a a rainbow or maybe like a uh, probably not like a a, a, a Dio era of Sabbath maybe more of a rainbow because it has a little bit more of a melodicness to it. But um, I, I, I like this song uh, quite a bit. I like it more than the previous track. Um, the I feel like the the drums really. Keep the pace going at this nice click. Um, it has a nice like, cadence to it,
0: doesn't it? Yeah, like just and the way I, and
1: it, I think that the the chorus is really catchy too. I think this is a, good, a good, another good tune.
0: What what I like about this is how it's it's got this ominous sounding beginning, but then it's really kind of an intriguing tune because it's a little bit slower pace, but then the 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 chorus picks up and then it slows down again you know, during the next verse. And then when the second chorus kicks in, it gets faster. And and I like the cadence to it. There's something about it. That's really, really interesting. And just you're, you're spot on with this one. Again, fantastic drum fills throughout this entire song. that really just kind of drive this thing forward. And then a beautiful piano outro. I just think it's a really underrated tune. And I'm talking about an underrated tune from a band from that hasn't released an album in 20 years and never really hit it big. I, I, I acknowledge that, but, um, for my money, this is one of the better tunes on the album that I, I don't think I've ever heard anyone talk about, ever.
1: Yeah. Well, to be fair, I've never heard anyone talk about any of the songs on this album until now. so Except
0: for Pat and me. But yes, that's, yes. that is true. Um, and then we get to Solitary Day, Living in an Ivory Tower. My guess for your song of the week, and I'm not even sure why I <laughs> chose it, but I'm going with it. And so before I get into the song, am I right?
1: Yes, you are. I um, am.
0: No way. But
1: uh, It was tight, and I'll and I'll tell you with the other song when we get to it that I had was almost neck and neck, but I thought this one was just slightly more my kind of, you know, my kind of milieu, if you will. Um, you I know. hit it
0: on the head. I'm proud of myself. I I really have this one pegged. I, I you hit the Queen's Reich. You hit some of the other points, <laughs> and I got you so- your song of the week. So kudos to both of us.
1: I just I just think that like. It has a I think of all the songs the the intro to this song I think has the catchiest or the the most uh I think it just pulls you in more than any any of the other uh um, That
0: that riff with the bass line yeah. underneath is sick like it's yeah. just it's so good um, I think
1: and, it's one of the only songs where like the very first time I heard the album I was like oh like I really um hit you it, right it's, away It's a very proggy uh it's like a proggy riff but at the um, same
0: time, it's more of a power metal song. And I think that's why you like it, because it's faster. It's, it's more galloping in many ways. And I just think it's great songwriting throughout. Um, there's also like a waltz-like cadence to the verses, whereas the instrumental section is this speedy, neoclassical bit that's going on that's kind of all over the place. Um, and, and Ian Parry never sounded better. So I, and I think that for a guy that likes good choruses like yourself – this is about as good as it gets. And, and this was actually the bonus track that they chose for the album because they released an extended version of this particular tune as, as a bonus track. Um, great choice. Let's, let's give it a listen and we'll, we'll come back and talk about it a bit more. Standing choice if i do say so myself um definitely another one that was in contention for me I, I just think it was those power metal elements that were gonna hook you in and and you got hooked
1: oh no doubt uh, i i was hoping that um it's sometimes when i i land on a song early I, i'm like i'm hoping that i'll end up liking something else more um and there, uh, like I said, there's another track that came close, but this was the one that just really spoke to me right from the get-go, and and uh, I look forward to uh, hearing it. But I have to say, there's some other songs that actually w- were getting stuck in my head more often than this, just because they had such a such a hooky like chorus or whatever. And and I'll mention them when we get to it. But um, th- so that I think would
0: be my next question: is 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 the next track is the title track, Manifestation of Fear? And there's a bit of an annoyance quality to the chorus, but I'll be damned if that doesn't get stuck in your head, the way that Parry uh, enunciates the title of of, of the track.
1: Yeah, that's exactly one of the ones I was referring to. Um, Just the way that he... I don't know if you want to call it like a staccato sort of way, uh, where he just kind of like... Manifestation of fear. Like, it, it just... I don't know. I can just picture Pat like screaming it at me. Um,
0: I Oh God. I, I I hope we get that chance. This, this, this to me is like a perfect example of a digestible prog song because it's well, it's so catchy and so like straightforward in many ways, but this is not your four, four standard song. I mean like the, ca- the, the cadence on this is all over the place and it's almost hard to count the way that this song comes in in many ways. Um, a slower tune, a deliberate, tune but such a big powerful chorus and that guitar riff again throughout this thing um really really catchy and one of the better instrumental sections i think on the album um i i'm a big fan of this tune my only knock slightly repetitive maybe a touch too long but a very good title track
1: the instrumentation that kind of accompanies Harry's saying manifestation if you're singing manifestation if you're it all comes together in such a memorable way that like just that part just gets stuck in my head especially the guitar riff that goes along with that just little phrase right there just just one of those things like just such an earworm um I'm, I'm glad that you uh recognized it as well
0: no no question my my Next anecdote is is about the next track, Victim of Circumstance. And before I get into it, was this the other one that was in contention for Song of the Week for you?
1: Actually, no. But um, I like this song a lot as well. Um, Has a... um, Just a really, like, accessible kind of vibe to it. Like, almost... Maybe one of the the most radio-friendly of the songs on this album. Um, I could... definitely has like a great driving, driving vibe, like put it on in the car. It's, it's, you know, roll down the windows. And, uh, I like this one. Um, it's not the other one in contention. You're, you might be a little surprised when I tell you which, but, um, not that there's a lot of choices left, but, uh, this, this is a good one too. About what are your thoughts on this one?
0: This song has this like epic, almost climactic feel to it. And it's interesting because I also get an 80s arena rock vibe from it, um, which normally you don't talk about when you talk about prog bands or power metal bands or anything like that. But it just has that like big feel to it. And I think the chorus is really catchy. Again, phenomenal drum work on this. And I think Ian Parry shows off his range where he can really kind of sing in a normal normal way and then all of a sudden he can hit some of these high notes where you're like wow it's almost like he's been holding back on on some of this stuff um very good tune it's not my favorite song on the album by any means but it it has a place on the disc
1: absolutely uh yeah i agree with you on the 80s arena rock i think that's why it feels like a good driving song because that's the kind of stuff that i love listening to on road trips and stuff and uh, just just the kind of stuff that keeps you uh Keeps you awake and keeps you, uh, you know, when you're when you get to be my age, you need all the help you can get, not not to uh, get a little sleepy. Um, but uh, yeah, um, I, I thought that was a nice uh, a nice tune, and, and if they were to, uh, you know, try to make a a radio hit, that probably would have been the choice.
0: I. I- I would agree with that, and and to this point, basically every song on the album's been between four and you know five and a half minutes for the most part. But then we get to an interesting little three songs to end it, and I say that because we get to the forgotten, which is ironically enough a bit of a forgotten track for for me anyway. It's a, it's almost like a true ballad, but it's very dark and and very um, I don't want to say not endearing, but it's it has this acoustic guitar at the beginning, which is really cool. But it's just a really unique take on a ballad. It's it's not my favorite ballad by any means, but I think that by about midway through, once it turns into a power ballad, it really kind of picks up steam a little bit. Uh, kind of an interest, an interesting tune to help break up, you know, a lot of the in-your-face riffs that came before it.
1: Yeah, it's definitely the uh, definitely the est or most ballad-like. A bit uh, of an outlier on the album. I don't know if I would call it a. a a traditional ballad cuz it definitely has a kind of darkness to it that you don't really get in in a lot of power ballads like you mentioned but um i thought it was good because the the um the last two tracks are are kind of like a 2 minute in, instrumental intro leading into a 6 plus minute um kind of a proggy like i guess if if there was going to be an epic song on this album i guess that would be it so i feel like this is kind of a good song to Lead into this this last you know eight and a half minutes or, or so of um, of the album. Um, although I have to, it made me laugh because I was listening to this, and um, my girlfriend walked in, and, and when he was saying "you got a fight on," she thought she, he, he was saying "you got a fido." was like, "Is he singing about his dog?" I was like, "I think he's British, man. Leave. Give him a break." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You got a fido. <laughs> Woof.
0: Uh um the do, I I don't know that I ever appreciated this but redemption that that you know penultimate track really is kind of an intro to metamorphosis I I kind of lumped them together I could see why
1: Yeah I actually have them on my computer as one track which hmm. I guess when I first got the album it just felt like they you know I I I used to always like kind of link the these kind of little instrumental intros to the songs because I would shuffle stuff so much that I wouldn't want to hear, like, one without the other. Um, so that was kind of my sense about this, even before I really listened to the album, and it seems to make sense. Um, the first two minutes or so is like, a very... Um, almost like a... It kind of reminded me a bit of, like, Scenes from a Memory, like this, like, really dramatic, proggy kind of intro... Um, not quite the, you know, Jordan Rudis-esque, uh, you know, mastery of the keyboards, but just a really, um, just a really, like, uh, dynamic and um, almost uh, theatrical kind of intro leading to this, this kind of meaty, this meaty final song, Metamorphosis.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with that. And and when it comes to Metamorphosis, what an interesting finale. Um what I would just say is a very satisfying conclusion to, to a great album. And I say that because it's almost like two songs in one. This starts heavy in your face, great keyboards, these simple, but effective verses, and then, you know, a chorus with a very big feel. And then all of a sudden the back half almost turns into a true ballad, like a metaphor, or a metamorphosis in many ways where the song just completely changes. But I, I, you know, I, you don't hear that that often. I thought it was very well done.
1: Yeah, this was the, this was my runner-up for song of the week. Um, it just the more I listened to it, the more I liked it. The um, just the way again, like just the way that Ian Perry like says the name of the track or sings the name of the track. It just like really just grabs you, and you're just like, yeah, man. Um, I I just thought like. This is arguably the most interesting song on the album like you said it has kind of a more it's multi-styled kind of vibe to it but um I just I, I ended up really liking this and thought it was a really great way to end this this really solid album of just really good like you know power prog prog power whatever you want to call it uh, tunes um but this was this one really took me by surprise cuz I don't know that I thought much of it the first time or two i listened to it but by the end of it you know this one and and manifestation of fear like i had those uh i had those choruses stuck in my head and then i had that opening riff to solitary day like those were the 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 three songs that really stuck with me i think of of all the songs on the album
0: nice nice and and before i have you rated on a scale of one to ten did you hear enough to make you start checking out some of their other material because like I feel like this is a band that has, what, this is uh, five, they, what, they have seven albums, an EP. There's like a lot of stuff here where if you haven't heard it and you liked what you heard with this, you this may not wind up being your favorite, but there's probably something else in there that you're really going to love.
1: Yeah, I, I would like to listen to more. I don't know when the hell I'm going to find the time to do it, but I did go back and listen to that first track on Supremacy and it was just like, man... This was a really good band. Like I, I just, uh, I just never really gave them the time. Um, so hopefully we um, will revisit this band and talk about a, another album in the future, maybe um, uh, State of Mind or, or even one of the older uh, one of the older uh, albums with the the uh, original singer. Um, I
0: mean, I think that Supremacy would be a great album to choose, just because it's different in many ways. But again, a lot of people just think it's an all-time classic and i i can certainly understand why
1: all right next week no, well <laughs> ironically enough
0: that we're celebrating if you if you really want to get into it um that album i think we're celebrating what the 30th uh the twenty 20- or the 30th anniversary for that album so uh something to think about uh, let me see when the when did that come out lg supremacy came out june 1st 1994 so i don't know maybe we'll have to celebrate it next year in june
1: yeah, it could be my birthday gift to myself.
0: There you go. I like it. I like it a lot. Um scale of one to ten. What are you giving Elegy's manifestation of fear? Uh,
1: uh as to quote our friend Chris uh Willem Brock, I'm going to uh Nietzsche it, I think it was his uh, exact <laughs> words, uh and give it a 7.875. Um I, I I liked it quite a bit. Um I think uh it lacks the uh nostalgia factor that I'm sure. Uh, you have for it but um it was very enjoyable and um uh, there's definitely some tracks on here i look forward to revisiting uh good just good stuff all around
0: not only would i say nostalgia although there's obviously some of that for me there's a staying power to it the fact that here i am 25 years later and i'm still again i i keep this in rotate there's Few discs where I go back to over and over again over the course of 20 or 25 years, and this is one of them, and I certainly acknowledge it's not a perfect album, but for some reason, it struck such a chord with me that I'm giving it a 9. It's not a 10. It's not a perfect album. I'm I'm not going to say that. But in many ways, it's kind of a Desert Island disc for me because if I had to pick 25 or or 30 albums to, to bring with me, I get a lot of joy out of this, despite you know certain songs, which I wouldn't say are perfect songs. There's a lot that I love, so it's a 9.0 for me. Yeah,
1: at um, least it doesn't have Pharaoh on it.
0: Yeah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> the flack we got over that comment. I mean, I'm, I don't change my mind for anything, but my God, apparently no, people I'm, I'm just going to double
1: down on my shitty opinion. So.
0: <laughs> um, I like it. I like it. And before we get to next week's episode, um, which... Again, is, is going to be a trip in, in and of itself. Uh, two news items I wanted to, to – well, three news items I wanted to bring up. Um, two tours and some other news that I think you even brought to my attention. The first, Soen, not Vola, but Soen is going on tour, and they're doing a nice run of U.S. shows, which I was really happy to see. Um, this band is, simply put, starting to kind of blow up a bit they're doing a long run of shows in the united states they're doing um their first show may 7th 2024 starting in chicago uh basically hitting all f- corners of, of uh, the u.s and canada and they end in denver um on june 9th so more than a month of shows still well, haven't. you're not kidding
1: new- when you say all corners because they're coming to my town and so when bands come to my town then you know they're, they're
0: hitting, hitting all corners them. yeah um, I will probably pick a Sona album at some point before this, trying to encourage you to go see the show. Maybe we'll do the new album. I think that that could be cool um, because I know that's coming out in the not so distant future, but uh great band. Happy to see them on tour and another band that is, is going out on tour, which I admittedly know nothing about, but, I checked them out. That's why I bring it up. But this October, Suicidal Tendencies is going out on tour, celebrating 40 years since their debut album. Um, They're doing uh, a handful of shows uh, in the Northeast and in in California before they head over to Australia later this year. I've never heard anything by this band, but they're playing Terminal 5. So obviously there must be a bit of a draw there because that place holds 3,000 people. Um, And then I checked them out, and I've never heard anything like this. It's thrash with, like, a hardcore element to it. Really, really interesting stuff. Not the greatest thing I've ever heard, but I'm kind of curious to check out more. And I always remember Zach Stevens wearing the Suicidal Tendencies shirt on, like, the Live in Japan DVD from the mid-'90s. So, uh, obviously, he was a fan as well.
1: Have you ever heard anything from these guys? Uh, This is definitely a gap in my knowledge base um with the um the one exception of the uh the song institutionalized which was um from back in the early 80s but just because it had such a classic music video i'm not sure if you uh never saw it yeah it's a really um you you you'll find it on a lot of um you know top 100 music videos of all time lists and stuff like that and uh want to say it was on an episode of beavis and butthead which like i mean that does mu- me many music videos uh were over the years but that this was like such a i don't know if you know the song but it's just kind of like um talking it's like talking over guitars it's it's a really like interesting and weird kind of uh tune um i don't know if it, it's um a, a good example of what the rest of their material sounds like, but um, th- that's the one song that I just happen to know fairly well, and then I, that's it.
0: <laughs> well, I like I said, I, I, I heard enough after one song to say, I'm going to check out more. I, I don't know that I'm going to go buy the entire discography, but I want to check them out a little bit. And the last piece Uh, I would recommend
1: you check out the music video. Just, uh,
0: I will do that. I will do that. Um, the last piece of news I wanted to talk about Roy Khan, um, an article that you sent me about Roy Khan kind of talking about his exit from Cavalot and, um, his whole, you know, kind of finding religion. It sounds like he was in really bad shape when he left this band. Um, don't, he doesn't really get into too much detail, but it sounds like the between the touring and the recording, it was really becoming quite taxing. And I think he saw his life going, in a direction that he was not, you know, fully in favor of.
1: Well, I mean, if you think about it, he, uh, he took how many years off, uh, from, from being, uh, from being a musician really, or being like a touring musician. Um, I mean, what was that 2011 I want to say was the, or 2010 was the yeah, year. That, something like that. And, and, you know, so 10 years, he kind of just, um, took like a sabbatical um and sometimes you you just got to listen to your your body and listen to your mind and and do what you got to do and i'm sure it's for the best he had um nothing but positive things to say about camelot he said he was glad that the band was able to continue on without him so it doesn't sound like there's a, at least from his end there's doesn't sound like there's bad blood there um as a fan it makes you wonder is there ever a chance that he might join them on stage one day um who the hell knows but um it, it is interesting and, and uh, i'm glad that he you know helped himself in a way that that meant that he could um kind of come back and 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 i was so excited that last year i finally got to see him sing live because i you know, was so excited going back to 2010, going to that Prague Power that year that Camelot was headlining. And I was like, holy shit, I'm finally going to get to see Roy Khan sing. Um, and, uh, I got Michael Erickson <laughs> instead, which was pretty damn cool. But, uh, it took me, you know, another, uh, 12 years to finally hear Roy Khan live. And, and boy, like you wouldn't have known that he, uh, that he aged twelve years because he sounded fantastic. Uh, oddly enough, I heard him sing with Seven Spires before I heard him sing with Conception.
0: <laughs> How many people can say that?
1: Yeah, probably uh, whoever saw Roy Khan for the first time that night. I'm sure it wasn't just me, but uh, it was. Uh, I'm just glad. I, I was. It was nice to to see that, and it, it's cool because, like, you know, as a fan, you're always wonder what the hell happened when there's like a breakup like that. And it's nice to see somebody be kind of forthcoming about what it is they were going through and why things went down, because it was very, uh, it felt sudden because, um, you know, Camelot had a whole U S tour that was coming up. It wasn't just Prague power. Prague power, I believe was the first show of what would be their U S tour. And they ended up canceling that entire tour. And thank, thank, thankfully, uh, michael erickson learned the material quickly enough that he was able to come and 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 make sure that camelot could still play at Prague power and i'm very grateful i got to see that because that was as cool of a set as you'll ever see um not many people can say they've seen michael erickson and charlotte wessels perform uh the haunting um together a very cool moment and this was back when we weren't allowed to record anything so uh (laughs) Yeah, well I mean if you think about it, that
0: band I've seen them with uh, I fort- I was fortunate enough to see them with Khan. I saw them with Michael Erickson, I saw them with Fabio, I saw them with um what we call it, uh Michael Bobby. Karavik. I mean like I've seen so many different incantations of that band, but uh I'll be seeing them again in two weeks, so I guess I guess it's uh you know they, this they, time they with uh the melissa bonnie <laughs> yeah there you go so i've actually i've i think i've seen that too i saw that on uh seventy thousand tons so but have you seen them with mark vanderbilt <laughs> no 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 I, I i i definitely haven't i guess i had to be in south florida in 1993 for that or something but uh i digress um As we alluded to earlier, next week is going to be something special. One of our Patreons, Richard Mosley, has suggested an album that, quite frankly, had it not been for him, I guarantee you I would have never heard. We're going back to 1992, and we're doing the self-titled album by T-Ride, the San um, Francisco-based heavy metal band, which, quite frankly, released this one album and then calls it quits. This is... This is something else, man. How would you describe <laughs> this after one listen? I mean, if you had to just succinctly describe it,
1: uh, it um, <laughs> I, I, it was like exactly. it was like Red Hot Chili Peppers meets Armored Saint.
0: <laughs> you know something? That's kudos to you. That's pretty good. Um, this is gonna be for those that have never heard this album, it's a trip. For those that have, you know what we're talking about next week. So I look forward to bringing um. All things t Ride and uh, going back all the way to 1992. So, who, so I guess
1: this would be a career retrospective, then, huh?
0: It, in many ways, it is, and and they've they've kind of defined themselves as quote experimental metal, which that's about all you need to know right there. And <laughs> so don't get too excited. Um, no. <laughs> He just hit the microphone, but no Uh, kidding aside, it's going to be a fun week. Uh, Lots, lots to look forward to. Um, If you like what you hear, give us a like and a follow. It helps other people find the show. Once again, please consider joining our Patreon. It helps kind of defray the costs for uh, everything that we're doing. And obviously we just appreciate the support. And um, after, you know, I think the week after that, we'll come back. We'll kind of release an episode on our thoughts and, and kind of, uh, you know, go back to, to to Prague Power and kind of walk everyone through through our weekend. And I gotta be honest, man, I feel like it's been a long time since I've heard a request of yours. I know we did Symphony X a couple of weeks ago, but um, I look forward to hearing uh, your next request as we get to mid September.
1: Yeah, I, I feel like I need to start taking a page out of your book and start um, start a list because I have no. The list is just this construct floating around in my vast brain of chaos. Uh, so
0: iPhone notes. Yeah, English.
1: I know. I use it for many other things, uh, except things that are actually useful to me. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's. Uh, I, I also think it's kind of fun to just uh, keep you on the edge of your seat, and keep, and then just kind of just see how I feel when the time comes to to make a choice. And uh, sometimes something just sits like I, I kind of had. Divine wings was something I felt pretty strongly about for uh, like probably the better part of two weeks. Um, I have, uh, I actually have something I want to do later this year that I have in the back of my head, but the the hope is, is that I remember. Uh, (laughs) So, um, but uh, yeah, um, there's just the, the, like I said, and I, I'm a broken record, but uh, the great thing about this podcast is that there is just no shortage of things to to go by. And, and uh, again, like it's great, To get these requests because like you said i don't think i've ever ever would have even heard of t ride um without richard requesting it so um you know another uh, another thing to add to the the education but um yeah uh, there's so there's just so much to cover and uh i i i don't as of right now i don't have the slightest clue what uh what i'm gonna choose next but uh god knows when the time comes i will be ready
0: well, when inspiration hits, we will all be ready. So, enjoy the week, my friend. We come back next week with t ride by request. Not and, uh, <laughs> no, 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 not not that at all. Uh, enjoy the week, my friend. I will talk to you soon.
1: Alrighty, take care, buddy.